Don't be ashamed to learn things that you need to know. Here's Sexplanations with Dr. Doe. Sexplanations podcast episode 82. We're talking about bringing sexy back with my friend and colleague, Prairie. Hi, Prairie. Hello. So nice to be here. It's so nice to have you here in in the podcast studio, but also in Missoula, Montana, because as you know, it is very lonely for sex professionals here. And I am so thrilled that you are doing the work you are doing locally. And and I know people come from probably all over in the Northwest to see you, but oh gosh, for our community to have you, it's a really big deal. Yeah, I feel the same way. I uh, feel super loyal and committed to Missoula and I'm pretty excited to be doing the work I am doing here. And also while I was starting, so, so thankful that you were already here as a resource for me. We did it. We're a team. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> okay. So how do you want to identify your profession? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm trained as a sexological body worker and I also work, I work largely with um, postpartum women around their pelt, like um, birth trauma, pelvic pain, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I to work outside of that realm too. So I, so I guess as a sexological body worker, sexological body. Yeah. In short. Awesome. Yeah. Which I have appreciated since I first learned about the profession. Um, I learned about it in my doctoral program and, um, worked with some of the, the founding creators of that field. And it, it sounds like you have come from a similar lineage. Like you're all connected in some way. And then you know, offshoots of that program, but yeah, it's something I really admire because as a person who has done a lot of talk sex therapy with people, I have always wished that I could just like reach out and show physically, um, what I'm trying to communicate and your profession makes it possible. I love it so much. I'm yeah. so grateful. Yeah. The psychological bodywork profession is, a it's amazing to me. It's really powerful, profound stuff. And um, yeah, Joseph Kramer was the founder. He's the one that had some brainchilds in the seventies and eighties and, uh, has really done a lot of work around that. And now there are several schools across the world that train students. Yes. So good. Here. Yeah. It's so good. So I want to hear all about it, but first I want to give a shout out to the people at patreon.com slash explanations podcast who make this show possible. You're amazing. Really. Um, to all of you who I consider my bosses in this, that's Zipwa, Ben Trammell, Donna Flint and the Millers. This is for you. So, um, my question for you to start off with is, how did you decide to become a sexological body worker? Everybody asks me about that in my field, but I'm, I'm going to turn it on you. Yeah, uh, I do have a story for that. Uh, and it started with the pregnancy and birth of my first kid. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, so we had a pretty traumatic birth that really blew out my pelvic floor uh, mm. and left me with like, I wouldn't say crippling um, incontinence, but pretty serious urinary incontinence. And I tried to find help for that for years and saw all kinds of physical therapy, like public floor physical therapists here in town with no help. And then I came across another sexological body worker via a podcast and she does pelvic mapping. So... She has public mapping. She works with postpartum women a lot. And I flew down to San Diego when I was seven and a half months pregnant with my second kid to receive work from her. 
and was just blown away at the work and how well it worked for me and how much it helped me. (laughs) So then I had my second kid and got out of the first year or two of postpartum with her and Mm -hmm. um, went into some of the training myself. That's, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like when you talk to people who want to grow up to be teachers and they say it's because there was a teacher who made a difference in their life and they want to give that gift to other people. Yeah. Ah, I I love it. Give the gift of feeling good in your pelvic bowl to other people. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, and I love how you brought up when you were starting and our connection there, because so when I was starting here, which would have been, I don't know, 18 years ago, um, I didn't know the community of sexual health, um, professionals. And so I tried to do my thesis and it was so hard to just get people to talk to me about the first time that they had sex, let alone like let me touch them or do counseling or anything like that. And so it was such a, um, it was so remarkable and special and, um, emotional to, to have you ask for help finding new clients Mm -hmm. in that, the, that same, like, I need to practice. I I want to get established in my field. And it starts with, you know, the, the volunteers who just sign on without, um, being clients and how does that work? And to have, I don't know, a dozen people that I was connected to just like, Oh yeah, of course I'll help Prairie. I was like, Oh, you're, you're so much healthier. And, um, the world at large, I think is healthier sexually and wanting to know how they can have happier pelvic bowls. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So grateful. Mm, I'm glad I, it's, um, touching to me to just hear that your experience in that too. Yeah. yeah, it was I, healing because it was really hard for me and to have an opportunity to make it less hard for someone else felt like my struggle was worth it. So, yeah. 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 Good. Is it, is it going well for you? It is going well. It's been slow building my practice, but that's also because I'm working another job and run a farm and parents. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So much room to build a practice anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, things are picking up and uh, it feels really good. It feels like it's in a good spot. Mm, yeah. Good. And I like that you do many things. I think that that's actually a very Missoula thing where we don't have one major um, vocation or like this This is my project that I make money from. But instead, it's like these are the seven projects <laughs> that I make money from. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I would like to tone it down. I would like to narrow it down a little bit because it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like to have more bandwidth for the things that I truly love and care about. So that uh, the next year, I hope to within the next year to sort of let things settle out that don't need to be here. Who are your ideal clients? I think my ideal clients are really it's postpartum folks um, who, yeah, I'm going to say postpartum folks, people who have given birth because that's, that's my experience. That's where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. And it was so profound for me um, in such a life altering event. And uh, the more I talked with my friends about my experience, the more other people were 
were sharing their stories too of like, oh yeah, well, I can't jump on a trampoline without peeing or I haven't had sex in three years because I don't know how to be intimate again with my partner. Um, or yeah, I just have pain all of the time. And I recognize that there are just a lot of people out there living with things that they don't need to. And it is having a kind of what seems like a pretty profound effect on their quality of life. Um, so that being said, so those are my, that's like who I'm super passionate about. But after going through sexological bodywork school, I got so passionate. I like <laughs> so excited about all of the things that are possible in that field. Yeah. Um, so I actually really enjoy working with, um, I love working with, with, so many people. I work with cisgendered men and I work with folks in the trans community. Um, I was sometimes, you know, I work with some folks around just like developing comfort in their sexuality, in their body or redeveloping pleasure patterns so that they're actually experiencing pleasure and joy in sex and sexuality and intimacy and all of that. Um, and I'm also training in somatic experiencing, which is a trauma resolution. So that I pair that trauma resolution work with the sexological body work, which to me seems really, really important. Mm-hmm. So many of us have experienced trauma of some kind or another in the sexual realm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So listeners, if you are any of those people, if you identify with any of those things or more, Come see Prairie in Missoula, Montana. Yeah. It's beautiful here. And Prairie is amazing. Very talented at what you do, which I've heard because all all those people that I referred to you would unsolicited call me up or text me Facebook and be like, Prairie was so amazing. I didn't know what to expect. And it was really Uh, life-changing. That is so touching to hear. Mm, So you, you have done well. Yes. Yeah. So I want on this podcast, um, to kind of go back through in chronological order, the Sexplanations YouTube channel and just give a little bit more attention to those topics that I was doing in a four minute format. So the topic that I connected with you is bringing sexy back. Mm -hmm. And it kind of starts with this question where somebody is saying, okay, if my sex life is on the fritz, like it's, it feels like it's dwindling or dead. How do I restore it? Or maybe you have a better verb for it yeah um how do i how do i get my sexy back after maybe something like postpartum Uh uh-huh yeah well certainly big life-changing events can throw a loop in our sexuality and and intimacy um and sometimes and sometimes it's not that sometimes it seems like there's no really real reason or cause and you know or maybe it's being in a long-term relationship for 10 years and all of a sudden you realize you haven't had sex or intimate relations with your partner in six months. Right. And then mm-hmm. I feel like that can kind of cause panic in folks. Um, and I, my number one, the way I start with all my clients, whether it's in group workshops or one-on-one sessions is to slow down, slow. We slow everything down so that we can really notice where things are happening, where sensations are happening, where thoughts are popping up where hangups might be coming up. Um, and then the other big thing I usually say is let's take 
if I'm working with a couple, it's let's take penetrative sex off the table for Mm -hmm. so many months. Um, And sometimes it's it's even let's take orgasm off the table. Like just take those things away. Mm. You're basically not allowed to go there. (laughs) Sensei focus. Yeah. 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 And so what else is available? What else is available to you in your sex, whether it's with a partner or with yourself, if you can't, if you're not goal, if your goal isn't orgasm, if you're not goal oriented there. Mm -hmm. Um, and it opens up an entire universe of what's possible. And for a lot, for a lot of folks, that's really in, it's really inspiring. Um, it's like new inspiration in what sex is and right. It's like this whole creative process. And then all of a sudden, if you're, you know, it's like, if you're a writer with writer's block and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you get your, some like creative juice back that like sets things going again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I studied sunset focus that, and all those, uh, training models that would remove orgasm and penetration from the, the, the intentions of a partnership. But with the clients I worked with, it was so difficult to get them to stick with it. It's like when you prescribe antibiotics and they're like, Oh, I feel better. I, I can stop taking these. And you're like, no, you need to finish the course in order for it to work. So it's the same thing. Yeah. Yep. At least if what I found, which is why I'm glad you're here because you can coach them yeah, <laughs> better than I can. Right. And as you say, though, there's like only so much, there's only so much coaching, right? It's only like, I can only meet a client at where they're willing to be. Mm-hmm. And if that is half-hearted or like half willing to do what we talk about in session, then that's all they're going to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Hold them accountable to that. (laughs) That is not Prairie. That is you. (laughs) So any other tips for bringing sexy back? Mm, Any other tips for bringing sexy back? Um, I am, I'm a huge fan of self-pleasure. Me too. Yeah. I mean, especially if like the sexy is lacking within a relationship. Sometimes it's because we don't know what we like ourselves. Um, but, and, and it beyond that, um, so one of my mentors, she calls it <clears throat> feminizing sex, which it's not feminizing sex, not being that it's now female oriented, but that it's feminine as in like yin, it's like slower mm-hmm. and more open and more curious and more with the flow. Mm-hmm. Um, which this is how, this is what I work with a lot with couples in the postpartum, um, because suddenly it is so much harder to engage on that level for a lot of postpartum women. So we talk a lot about feminizing sex. And so that might look like, how do you want to, how do recognizing how you want to be intimate? And if that's really like, you just want your partner to spoon you and um, tickle your scalp, like, let that be, <laughs> Yes, let please. that be <laughs> right. Like that can be your like, quote unquote, sex, however mm-hmm. it, sex is what we want to define it. So that can be your intimate interaction and just like allowing yourself to embrace that and allowing yourself to be slow and learning to hear what your body's saying and learning how to respect that, whether your body's saying yes or no, or maybe, or even I changed my mind, right? Sometimes mm. we start as a yes and they're like, you know what, actually this, I changed my mind and knowing that that is totally legitimate answer, um, but yeah, that's the, like slowing down, going with the flow rather than 
again, having that goal oriented penetration or whatever it might Mm -hmm. be. Yeah. Do you think of it as restoration or do you think that it's more of acceptance of a new type of sexuality? Yeah. I don't think I do think of it as restoration. It's more of an evolution. Mm. Yeah. And what a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing, right? To have a new territory to move into and new planets to explore. And yeah. Yeah. So it's less bringing a sexy back and more of a evolving into a new sexy. Yeah. We're like, what's what's sexy like if we go around that corner? <laughs> <laughs> what's it like over there? Let's try it out. <laughs> yeah. I like it. That's so good. Uh, do you have a specific way that you coach people on kegels? Mm, I don't coach people on kegels usually um, because a lot of the people I see have chronically tight pelvic floors. So they're like hypertonic. Uh, and the more kegels we do in that state, the more stuck they get there. So I do a lot of relaxation and um visualization of coming into the pelvic bowl. And I guide people a lot in feeling the pelvic bowl move as they breathe and even like putting hands down um, on the perineum as they breathe so they can feel that so they can start noticing the pelvic floor. Uh, But no, I don't actually guide people into kegels hardly ever. And if I do, we always start with relaxation and then always do like full relaxations after the contraction. Yeah. So I went and had a, what would I call it? Like a Kegel interview. Oh. <laughs> a, um, a physical therapist did an assessment with me of how I was doing my Kegels mm-hmm. because we try to do them on the podcast. And I want to make sure that when we're doing them, I'm not doing harm. And her feedback was, yeah, that it's really in the the push out rather than the draw in. Yeah. And that people are... Um, they're kind of doing too much of of the tension and not enough of the, the relaxation and being more cognizant of that. Did you record that? It is a sexplanations YouTube episode. I sweet. I'm going to go back and and watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me what you think if she got it wrong or if I got it wrong. I mean, it, the, the insider's notes on it is that, um, I had to drink a lot of water beforehand mm-hmm. so that when she was doing the ultrasound, it would show up oh. and some equipment wasn't uh, remembered. So I had had all this fluid. We we're going to do the ultrasound and then we had to go get more equipment. And so by the time it happened, I couldn't really do kegels very well at all because I was going to burst. Right. And so, um, <laughs> this is the insider notes that don't make it into the, to the video, but yeah. <laughs> I definitely understood the experience and hopefully showed what we were going for. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So do you want to do a guidance on relaxing the bowl mm-hmm. and the bowl you're talking about, like the muscular structure around the anus, the perineum, the genitals? Yeah. Yeah. So I often like to hammock. The hammock. Yeah, totally. Um, I like to ask people to take their hands and feel the bony structure of the pelvis first. Um, for some of your listeners, they might be super familiar with their pelvic bowl and their bodies. Um, but I feel like a lot of us, it's, it's been such a taboo place for so long that even if we think we've unshamed ourselves, there's still a lot of, still a lot there. Okay. So I have this 
<laughs> beautiful little dog on my lap. Beautiful little dog. Hop down, little warm body. Okay, I'm gonna do this with Okay. We're gonna do this. So you're you're talking about I wonder I'm gonna remove this pillow too. We're gonna get all comfy here. Do we wanna do like a relaxation of the pelvic floor or do we wanna do like a pelvic bowl? Um we want to do what you want us to do. Okay. I'm going to lead us on a little bit of a pelvic bowl meditation, pelvic bowl sweep, which is something I learned from Tammy Lynn Kent, who does, who wrote a book called Wild Feminine, and she teaches holistic pelvic care. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. Tell me again what it's called. Uh, it's like a pelvic bowl meditation. Pelvic bowl meditation. Yeah. Yeah. So I like to encourage people to first find the bony boundaries of the pelvic ring. Uh, so the... Um, hip bones on either side and the pubic bone in the front and then the sacrum in the back and just starting to sort of build a map for yourself in your mind's eye. Um, and I encourage people to have their eyes closed if that feels comfortable for them. Some people get dizzy or they just don't feel secure with eyes closed. So whatever's comfortable for you. And actually let's take our hands. We'll take one hand. We're going to take our hands underneath mm -hmm. the, basically underneath the genitals, right? So we're coming in contact with the perineum just because we're going to feel the pelvic floor move as we breathe. So we have one hand coming between our legs in the front and one hand uh, like tucking under the sacrum and making contact from the back. So here, I just want you to slow sort of the thought process kind of as much as possible, let go of the left brain whatever we find or notice, we're not looking to judge or analyze. We're just noticing, sort of gathering information. So letting yourself breathe, tuning in, noticing if you can feel the pelvic floor move as you breathe, that matches the movement of the respiratory diaphragm. So it moves down on inhale, back up into the body on exhale. It's this hammock of muscles that's strung between the two sits bones and from the tailbone, the coccyx to the pubic bone. So just taking a few minutes there and feeling that move as you breathe. It, it goes up when I inhale? It goes up when you exhale. I bet this is easier to do if I wasn't wearing jeans. Uh -huh, probably. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to move my hands just so I can sit a little more. So just doing that as long as it feels interesting to you, really. Okay. Yeah. And I do this a lot with clients without the hands, too. And we just sort of start tuning in and, and being curious if we can notice a sensation of the movement. And then we're going to... Uh, so some, this is going to feel a lot like imagination, and that's perfectly fine. We're going to imagine that we can take a walk around our pelvic bowl. Right. So that space we sort of mapped out earlier between the around the bony boundaries and the hammock. But now we're going to sort of walk around it energetically. So like as if you were a tiny little person actually taking a stroll around your pelvic bowl and just start noticing what it feels like in there what you notice, what you feel, what you see. It might be physical sensations, right? It might be like you notice your bladder is full or it might be you notice your pelvic pain or you might notice that your genitals are getting engorged, any of those things. 
you might also start noticing uh, some more like energetic stuff. You might start noticing that there are certain colors that come to mind or certain images or shapes. You might notice sensations that are a little bit more amorphous or like, oh, it's just kind of like buzzing and I can't quite place where or gosh, it feels like there's a sheet of clear plastic in this one place. I really encourage people to just let go of what makes sense to their rational brain and just really notice what's present. And so noticing what the shape is like, noticing if there are similarities or differences side to side, checking out front to back, noticing if it feels, looks like you're in an actual bowl or if you are in like um moss covered little forested area next to a stream if you're inside of a beautiful warmly lit cabin can really take on so many so many things and it can change day to day because a lot of it has to do with where we're at energetically or emotionally and allowing yourself to notice if there's anything in your pelvic bowl that maybe isn't serving you at this time or you don't want to give a lot of energy to. And then allowing yourself to clear those out, sending it down. I like to invite people to send it down a grounding cord into the earth as a way to just lovingly send it on its way. You can give it a thank you. And also noticing how you go about clearing the pelvic bowl what kind of energy you come at it with, if it seems really gentle and loving, or if it seems really hurried, it seems uh, like it's you're coming at it with frustration and just noticing that, noticing what's there that maybe isn't ready to be released and let go of. And then I also really like to encourage people to notice what is present that is serving them or that does feel good, that does feel pleasurable. And again, this maybe is physical sensations in the body maybe it's energetic maybe it's in it's coming through in images and then finding some way that feels appropriate to you in your body in your space to bless this space so for some people that is like building an altar for some folks it's just imagining that you're opening up the windows and letting in some sunlight and some fresh air maybe you're a musician and you want to just like play a rock and show in here <laughs> Some way to just bless your space. And then when you feel complete in that, starting to bring awareness back out into the rest of your body, noticing where you're sitting and coming back into the environment around you. Lindsay, what did you find in your pelvic bowl? <laughs> uh, lots of images. Uh-huh. I imagined the material that... Um, sails are made out of being stretched between all the different bone points and the inside of a peach. Then when you were talking about um, maybe unhealed areas, this clump of used band-aids came to mind. And then for the healing part, there's definitely um, a lot of nature, like moths kind of at rest and sunlight and yeah. shadows and yeah, I was, I'm curious what other people saw or imagined, and I hope that they put that in the comments. And I also um, was thinking about a lot of different ways to modify it for different body types, because yeah. for me, it was it was okay to reach around the front and the back during the earlier part of the exercise, but I can imagine for others, it might be easier to do it lying down or maybe someone else is aiding you or standing. I even thought about doing it standing and mm -hmm. having all of those 
visualization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're talking about having hands around so you can feel the movement. Yes. Yes. Cause yeah. I think it, yeah. I would get a more accurate read of what my body was doing if I wasn't like smashed on yeah. my hand at the same time. Yeah. And so I imagined being on my left side and having an arm go around the front and an arm around the back. But totally. if, you know, if people don't have that mobility or mm-hmm. a different body, um, just thinking about ways to modify it for them mm-hmm. and hoping, hoping they don't feel excluded because it's really yeah. cool yeah. to have that walkthrough experience. And there are tons of guided meditations out there, but so rarely do they ever connect us to our sexuality or our, um, you know, what people call our reproductive systems, but that area of the body, we're just not really connected to. And yeah, another great uh, way to do it, or it might be a, useful for some people is a mirror and ooh. Like getting a visual on the movement of the perineum and just like watching because the anus will move as you breathe. And there's that slight movement in the genitals as you breathe. Um, that can be an interesting one too. You mean like straddling a mirror? Yeah. 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 Or like maybe having a wall, uh, like a mirror on the wall. Yeah. And you're laying on the floor or something. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. (laughs) I'm so glad that you're doing the work you're doing and so well. Mm. Yeah. It's it's not um, always the case that people who do their jobs are good at them. (laughs) So it's reassuring to me to hear you walk through this and know that not only are the feed, the feedback that others are giving me is accurate and that yeah. you are, you're doing good work. Yeah. Oh, good prairie. Oh Yay. God. It feels like the first time in my adult life that I'm doing something that is, um, like, I don't know if I ever believed this before, but I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, like what I'm put here to do. Right. Like, I, like, it's hard for me to say that. Cause I, like, I don't know if I've ever had that belief. Like I, I was here to do a single thing, but it feels really in, it's very congruent with my morals and ethics. And it feels, um, it, it feels good to be doing this work. Mm. You're self-actualizing. I'm self-actualizing. To help others <laughs> self-actualize. Yay. Yeah, that's, I mean, there's not much more you could ask for. Mm-hmm. You can find your place and that's part of helping others find theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty incredible. So what else should I know? Wow. I, I want to be the student right now. I want oh to learn from you and hear your insight. Um. Well, I mean, you want to know more about the, like the, the practice I have or more about bringing sexy back, <laughs> exploring sexy around that other corner, anything, yeah. any, we don't even have to talk about sex if you don't want to, <laughs> we can talk about, yeah, anything, I guess when I think about you and what I know about you, I wonder how your work impacts your relationships mm-hmm. and um, you have two little ones and I wonder how you, that impacts your parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious about so many things. It doesn't yeah. have to be sex. Yeah. I will say I'll, I'm also a postpartum care provider and educator. And that takes up a lot of my, that takes up a lot of bandwidth too. Um, and that's something I'm really passionate about is educating pregnant families about how to prepare for the postpartum so that it doesn't thrash them Mm -hmm. because it can be a gnarly place to be, but it doesn't have to be. So, and that, especially when you ask like, how's your work affect you as a, you know, on your family and your, and your relationship, like that, 
um, that work has been really profound for me. Um, but it also takes a lot of energy. So it's a lot of times where I'm like actually leaving my kids so that I can go work with families around Mm. how to have a healthy postpartum time. Mm -hmm. Um, but beyond that, I would say one of my feedback, when I was filling out feedback forms for my sexological body work training, one of the things I had to say was that this course was worth all of the time and energy and money just because it made me a better parent because it helped me work through a lot of the internalized shame that I had around sex and sexuality in my body so that now I can show up more fully and authentically and without shame for my own kids. So I have a um, one who's almost six and one who's almost three. And the older one is knows that he can come to me when he has questions about his body or about sex or how sex works or how sex works between different genders. Like he's super open and curious with me. Mm-hmm. And I was mentioning that to my partner and he said, oh, wow, he's never asked me about those things. It's like, oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. It's like kids tune in pretty quickly over um, who they can get what information from or who feels safe to explore topics with. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it feels so good to be able to offer that to my kids of like de-shaming their bodies, like not ever bringing them into that mm-hmm. sh- that shame bubble that so many of us grew up in. Yeah. Well, I think you're pointing out two different things, right? You're not putting any shame on them, but you're also helping them navigate the shame that the rest of the community might put there. Mm -hmm. So I think that caregivers have the responsibility to do both and Mm -hmm. the good ones do it. Mm -hmm. They don't do any harm, but then they also understand that harm happens and how to to heal that with kids yeah, and teach and not just um, do it for them, but teach kids how to heal themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I get asked a lot by other parents, like, how do I talk to my kids about sex? I'm like, well, I think it just starts with naming body parts, Mm -hmm. the actual anatomy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, right. So if you have a kid who has a vulva and a vagina, just use those terms. If you have a kid who has a penis, use that term. If you have a kid who's intersex, like use the terms that feel comfortable Mm -hmm. and like, just let them know that that's their body. And like, hell yeah. Right. Like that's your body. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. And then menstruation too. That's a bit, that's another big thing for me in my life. And especially with my kids is like normalizing menstruation. Um, and not only the, the like, okay, well now I'm bleeding and we, and, and seeing that blood and knowing it's healthy and knowing it's like, I, nobody's hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. but also normalizing that, oh yeah, actually I, um, am losing a lot of calories right now and a lot of energy because my arteries are open and I actually am losing life force as I bleed. So it's okay for me. And it's like, it's okay for me to need to take a few days off and to drink extra water and to eat food that is going to support me in that. It's important for you. It's so important, right. To not be like, wake up in the morning and knowing you've started your period and then go for a 10 mile hike, because that's going to be really hard on your body and be really depleting. And so there's, you know, lots of folks who do that because we're raised in a society that is super go, go, go. And, you know, like a lot of us, um, don't feel like we have a lot of value unless we're producing things, uh, and working really hard. And then we end up with cramps that put us on the couch for three days straight or, Mm -hmm. you know, just like, 
end up with other health issues down the road. And I think a lot of that can be taken care of by just like recognizing that it, we can rest and that it's okay to rest and that it's good to rest and how lovely that can be. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think that that all comes back to shame too. If we are ashamed about menstruation, we don't want people to know that it's happening. And so, yes, I'm going to compete in this swim meet and yes, I'm still going to go on this camping trip because we, I don't want you to know that I need to take more care of my body or that something else is happening to me. It was actually, so the person who put the jingles together for this podcast Count Boogie. Um, he was the one who taught me when I went to a dungeon in where were we outside of LA, went to a dungeon and he was giving me a tour of this place and explaining that he will change the degree to which he flogs someone or creates that, that sensation on their body on their skin based on where they are in their menstrual cycle. And so for them to just be like, Oh yeah, I'm right before my period. He knows to pull off a little. And it wasn't until that moment, this, this man is like dungeon master explaining to me, Oh wow. My skin has a different uh, pain tolerance depending on where I'm at in my cycle. And it is okay, and not just okay, but important for me to explain to the people in my life, you can touch me in this way during these weeks, but this week you've got to be light or don't touch me at all. Yeah. And that was huge. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Good job, Count Boogie. Holy cow. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But the shame or, or mm-hmm. even... Um, the silence, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not modeled to us to say, oh, I, I need to lie down or I need to um, not participate in gym today or whatever. Like that's not yeah. explained Yeah, that we can do that. Yeah. Well, and it ha- you know, it has a lot to do, I think, with how uh, the history of feminism has unfolded in our, in the United States. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, because that was how, like, so thankful for the history of fem- feminism, right. And where our culture has shifted, but also that there was such a big push to say that, to, to basically say that the gender, that men and women, cisgendered men and cisgendered women were, were like fully equal, could do all the same things at all the time. Mm. Um, and it's taken me a lot of my life to say, I, I don't think that's true. And, and that is okay. Like there's mm-hmm. so much beauty and power in the difference mm-hmm. and that it's not that we all have to be the exact same to be valuable and to be good human beings on the planet. Right. Like yeah. our bodies do a lot of really magical stuff and we don't have to brutalize them to prove that they can do more or do different, do different, I guess. Yeah. 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 Oh, I like it. It's so good. Okay. So put us to, put us to work now. Um, what's extra credit do you have? Now you can practice at home. Dr. Doe gives you sex credit. I think I want to uh, offer mindful masturbation as extra credit. Has anybody offered that before on your episodes? Lots of people have talked about masturbation yeah. or mindfulness yeah. and we like it. I, I'm <laughs> speaking for everybody right now. We all like <laughs> masturbation and mindfulness. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know that it's necessarily been encapsulated mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Do your own take. It's, it's all, 
Yeah. Good. Yeah. From uh, so my first homework assignment during sexological bodywork training was like several weeks of daily mindful masturbation practice, which I will tell you, as a parent with small kids, can be challenging to find mm. the time and space, and to find um, to like convince yourself that it's worthwhile. Mm-hmm. There's always a thousand other things to do, but I want you to know, dear listener, <laughs> that mindful masturbation is worth your time. It is worthy. It's worth your energy that you can put it on your to-do list and then do it. Um, but I would say clear, if you can clear an hour on your schedule, I mean, if you don't have that much time, see what you can get, but clear a chunk of time on your schedule and then consider the idea of taking the goal of orgasm away and get really like Lindsay uh, mentioned earlier with the sensate focus, right? So sensate sense you're focusing on the sensation of what's happening in your body and then start exploring, maybe exploring touch, exploring the touch of your fingertips on your arm uh, or your hands or your hair or, you know, just what it's like to start with like laying on your bed quietly for a few minutes. And what that, what's that like to allow gravity to fall through you and the bed to support you and where that feels good. And then following that thread of pleasure of what feels good and just as much as possible being in the, in the sensation between, in the sensation of your body. Mm -hmm. So not, not just jumping towards, especially, you know, not jumping towards the like hard clitoral stimulation so that you can reach orgasm in three minutes and (laughs) maybe don't even touch your clitoris. See where it takes you. Zero erectile tissue. Masturbation. (laughs) Or explore all the other erectile tissue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is once in the next week, once Mm. a day. What's the prescription? Well, sure. Once a day, (laughs) once a day, an hour a day, give this to yourself. (laughs) If you can do it once in the next week, you're winning. If you can do it more than that, then you're a freaking rock star. Like go for it. Prairie, Prairie's giving you rock star (laughs) status. If you can do mindful masturbation once a day for a week. Yeah. I can't promise you'll be paid like a rock star, but (laughs) You'll be one in my eyes. <laughs> Aww, that's that's pretty good. I would take that. I will. I will take the challenge. Uh, my partner is listening. We we will hold each other accountable to this and independently. Oh uh, yeah, so good. So I'm going to work on relaxing my pelvic bowl. I'm going to keep thinking about the peaches. Work on evacuating the band aids. Yeah, get into the evolutionary thinking rather than the restoration yeah you're really helpful cool yeah excellent i feel that just listening to you is healing so that's nice yeah thank you thank you for being here oh it's my pleasure thanks for the invite is there anything else we should know Um, well, I guess I will say just as a quick plug that I often teach workshops in Missoula. So if you're interested in doing group workshops, uh, sometimes around sexuality and intimacy, sometimes around postpartum stuff, but all that information is on my website, which is somaticconnections.org. Somaticconnections.org. That's it. Yeah. And then I work with folks one-on-one and I work with couples and I work with all kinds of familial arrangements um, 
So don't be shy if you're curious. <laughs> yeah, be curious. Stay curious. <laughs> Stay curious. And Cora and Parl, I'm still learning. 